Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Today, we're going to continue in our lesson on prayer this morning. Uh, that we started last week. We're going to continue with that here today. I want to uh, thank those that are here with us on this Sunday morning by online Facebook live service, but also those that are right here in the sanctuary uh, working. There's three three individuals out of the seven, I guess, of us that are here uh, that have been working a lot of hours over the past few months. And... Uh, and they're able to be here today, second Sunday in a row for Brother Mason back here. Uh, and so been a lot of hours been at work. And so these people are here helping still yet on Sunday morning. And so uh, we tip our hat to them, of course, in their efforts to be in God's house in spite of a very rigorous schedule that they've been keeping outside of the church. Amen as well. And so we want to give thanks to them. also want to give thanks this morning. I probably will again tonight uh, in person, but. Uh, I want to give thanks to Brother Alex Mason and uh, Brother James Malone, who kept uh, uh, things rolling, if you want to call it that, but, but kept, kept a service here on Wednesday in my family's absence while we were, while we were gone. And, and, of course, with other people working, they were dealing with a skeleton crew concerning uh, the live stream, the music, and so on and so forth. And Brother Alex did music and, and uh, ministered that night. And... That's always a task. Been there myself, and all of us probably have done that to a certain degree, but uh, that is a task. You have your mind on music, then you shift to this, and it's kind of a, it's a weird thing that really happens, uh, at least for me personally. I'll speak for myself. I could just be weird. Uh, but nonetheless, so we'll give, give honor to them and thank them, amen, for doing that and, and such. So we're going to go to the word of the Lord. I'm going to pray. Uh, as you know, last week I kind of we had several verses of scripture from throughout the Bible that kind of gave us a platform and a foundation concerning the importance of the mentioning of prayer throughout the scriptures. And so again, this morning I don't have necessarily an isolated verse because uh, this lesson is by and large an overview or a, a aerial type of perspective on uh, prayer. Without spending too much time in one location, it just kind of wrapping your arms around all the facets of prayer uh, to a certain degree. Uh, but it is nonetheless very important for us today, for us in the hours that we are presently living, for sure. God, I come to you this morning. I'm so grateful today because, oh Lord, you first loved us and you were kind and compassionate toward us. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. I pray, oh God, today help us to turn our attention once again. God, to the word of the Lord. God, and glean from it, Lord, ideas and concepts, Lord, God, concerning prayer and the vitality of that within the life of a Christian, within the life of an individual. I pray, O oh Lord, enlighten our minds, open our understanding, God, to what the word would say and what you would convey, Lord, through your word, Jesus, today. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Everybody. You may be seated in your household or here in the sanctuary, those that are here with me. Amen this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And we'll see how things go here. Uh, we may open back up for Sunday morning service. One of our cleaners told me that if the only thing that's prohibiting that is cleaning in between, that they would take care of that. And so we may open again on Sunday morning. Of course, if we do, that means still no Sunday school. Uh, of any kind. It just means all of us here in the building on Sunday morning uh, still taking the same guidelines and precautions that we have all of our other services. But we'll just see, amen, uh, we're just kind of wading in the waters, doggy paddling, if you will, sustaining our placement uh, where we are uh, because I know there's a lot of uh, turnaround and changes already in some houses of worship just due to things that have taken place. Amen. Prayer, prayer, prayer. We talked about or we left off talking about last week about how we should engage in prayer or how we should uh, pray. We talked about how we should pray in faith, how we should pray, of course, with sincerity, 
how we should pray, of course, according to the will of God, pray in his name, uh, to be persistent in our prayer. Uh, and with that, you know, just the idea, we just need to make prayer part of our daily practice, our daily lives, be very habitual. If, if it's possible to be habitual about prayer without prayer becoming a habit. I know that sounds weird. But when I when I say that, I mean this being consistent every day without it becoming so second handed. It's just a mindless act. All right. And so uh, uh, we need to be habitual about prayer. And so you say, well, Brother McGee, you know, again, it doesn't take the these and the vows. There is not a special uh, language or way that you need to put vocabulary words together in order to uh, implore heaven and have heaven to come down and be your aid or your advocate. You just need to open up your mouth and talk to God. I all the time tell people that may have never prayed. I tell them, hey, I talk to him just as though he is a friend because he is indeed. I talk to him just like I'm talking to you right now. So whatever your normal conversation would be uh, with an individual, however it is that you converse or talk, just have that same conversation with him. Amen. And though you may not see him or, 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 or literally put a hand on him, amen, he is there. I want you to know and hears the words of our prayer. And so we must pray, pray persistently. But the book of James chapter 5 and verses 16 and 17 conveys that we need to also pray fervently. We need to pray fervently. It says, confess your faults one to another. And pray one for another that ye may be healed. That ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Look at verse number 17 now. Elias, which is speaking of Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. All right. So we're putting Elijah in the context that he is subject to some of the same desires, some of the same longings, some of the same poolings upon his life as 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 we are even right now, presently, not just in James Day, but in our day. The great Elijah, the prophet, the one who's seen so many miracles by his hand. His hands that God used him. He's subject to many of the things that we are. And the Bible says he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. He prayed that and then it did not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And so God heard, God heard the prayer of Elijah. One person I think said once concerning this verse number 17 is that Elijah was like us concerning the varied passions that pulled on his life. But how many of us will be like him concerning our prayer? Amen. Uh, what really the scriptures convey to us is that he faced many of the same things that we faced but had prayer a part of his life. And so, uh, in essence, we're left without excuse, uh, wanting to convey that our lives are just so much different than their lives. When in reality, there is a lot of overlap Amen. Concerning the passions and the drawings and the longings and the poolings upon our life, even as it was theirs. And yet he found time to pray. But more importantly, he prayed effectual, fervent prayers. Amen. Effectual, fervent prayers it actually comes from a Greek word that's transliterated. that looks a lot like the word, our English word, energy. It looks a lot like that. Close, but not exactly. But it means to be active, to be forceful, vigorous, dynamic, and energetic. All of that is descriptive of that, that fervent prayer. It's to be an active prayer, a forceful, uh, vi vital, uh, vigorous, energetic type of prayer that we render to the Lord because those type of prayers, of course, availeth much. Leonard Ravenhill in his book, Why Revival Terry's great book, by the way. Uh, if you've never read it, you need to find it. It's an old book, uh, but put on your armor when you read it because Ravenhill doesn't know how to do anything but just punch you straight in the face, all right? Uh, but he says in his book, Why Revival Terry's, the ugly fact is that altar fires, he says, are either out or burning very low. He says the prayer meeting is dead or dying. By our attitude to prayer, we tell God that what was begun in the spirit, we can finish in the flesh. Because this whole thing was born, amen, in the spirit. It was that 
sound as of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And so Raven, he'll no doubt make an, uh, an alluding to the fact what was started in the Spirit. Uh, how is it, even in our personal lives as, as Christians, what was started in the Spirit, right? When you were born again and you had your experience with God and, and you were filled with the Spirit of the Lord, what was born in the Spirit, how is it if by a, a, a life of prayerlessness, we're speaking to God in certain terms that we can go on then and finish this thing in our flesh, which in reality we cannot. We need prayer, amen, just as much now as when we first came to the Lord, amen, and shed our old man of sin and started walking our new life in Christ Jesus. Prayer is indeed powerful. It's not weak. It's not punny. It's not, if you will, uh, timid. It is powerful and a force to be reckoned with whenever people grasp it. We must also approach prayer, not just in our fervency, but we must approach prayer with thanksgiving. We have verses of scripture and I'll share just a few with you here real quickly. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God the Bible also says continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving it says pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and so our approach with prayer uh, goes beyond just our requests but it should be done with thanksgiving Amen. Because how do we come unto the Lord and offer requests for present burdens without having first offered thanks for his past blessing? Right? Uh, we come to the Lord, oh God, help me with this. But wouldn't it be great for God to hear, thank you God for what you did back there. Now, based upon thanking him for what you've done back there, I come to you now with this. Amen. And so we want to be thankful for the past. Amen. Before we start presenting to him the need of the present, we need to have thankful hearts. The psalmist even spoke to us in the scripture about the entrance of them into the temple or the tabernacle. He said, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. There's nothing, uh, there's nothing wrong with being a grateful people and a thankful people unto God. Uh, you know, we don't want to start treating God like a vending machine. Deposit your quarters and get your goods. All right? Uh, we, 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 we want to be a thankful and a grateful people. So we approach prayer with thanksgiving. And so we also approach prayer by means, and we, we, we touched on this just a little bit last week, but we want to approach prayer by means of both private prayer and public prayer, right? Collectively together as an assembly, as a congregation, and also in the secrecy of our own closets. When men see us and when men do not see us, you need, we need our own private place of prayer. Jesus had his own private places of prayer, and so we need our own private places of prayer as well. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 6, in verse number 5, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets. He says that they may be seen of men. And when thou hast shut may be seen men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. All right. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And that isn't necessarily uh, speaking about some place where you keep your clothes in your house. Although if you want to do that, that's fine. All right. If that's your place of prayer and your walk-in closet or your hokey pokey closet, that's where you can put one foot in and take one out, whatever it is, you know, then pray there. But 
it's speaking about entering to thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is secret, amen, shall reward thee openly for. Actually, the closet of prayer that they spoke of mostly is the little prayer shawl that the Jews would use and would drape oftentimes around their head, and they would go into their quote-unquote closet uh, of prayer. Amen. But listen, if you pray to the Father in secret, I like that part, that the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have to be seen by other people in order for God to see. Amen. And and there's there's there is a sense of uh, I don't know appreciation, uh, I don't know how to describe this. Whenever you know you've prayed something in secret that nobody else knows about and there is an open recognition of that that no one else knows about but you. I don't know how to explain it. Reality, uh, the feeling that comes with it. You know no one knows. You know because you prayed it when no one was around. But there's something about knowing that God knew it too when no one else was around. And the answer comes or whatever happens that brings about the fulfillment of a prayer that you prayed, amen, in secret. Amen. And so that is very important. But it's not just just as much as we should encourage you to pray in secret. I don't want to discourage you from praying in public. You can become unbalanced in either direction. You can only be the public prayer warrior or there's other people that's only the private prayer warrior. But we need to have a balance of public and private prayers. All right. And so we are admonished in Scripture to pray in public as well. The Bible says in Acts 4 and verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. That there is just enough for me. Okay. When they prayed, the place was shaken. Boy, we need some earth shaking prayers. Amen. And they where they were assembled. And so this was a public prayer that had happened. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Amen. And so we need both private and public prayers, ways in which we approach God. And so then when we talk about all this way of approaching God in faith and in persistency and such, that's great because that's the responsibility then of the prayer. But now, what about the responsibility of the one to whom we have prayed? How will God answer our prayers? How will God answer our prayers? Well, I think there is probably enough people that's prayed that understands that God doesn't always answer prayer the same way each time. That there are times that God answers prayer and it's like you've prayed and request is granted. There's times that we have prayed and it almost seems uh, immediately or almost immediately that God brings prayers, amen, to a place of being answered. The Bible says in Isaiah 65 and verse 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, that's important, before they call, I will answer. It's like, before the utterance is even flowing out your mouth, God's already have sent the answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. We love when God answers prayer like that. I mean, our faith grows and builds whenever we've prayed the prayer and God's coming. Boom, there's the answer. Request granted. It's just like, that's just like my God. But then we have the other times, right? That. The request is given, but it's not given within the time frame that we wanted it to be given. Right? The frustration of the wait. The frustration of the wait. In other words, God has, requ- has accepted our request, right? But not necessarily our timing. Hmm? Not necessarily our timing. Because God does all things according to his plan. God does things according to his purpose, according to his will. And our will and his will does not always harmonize. They are not always in step with one another. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes that to everything that there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And sometimes Paul McGee thinks I know pretty well what God knows. And so many times I realize I don't have the slightest idea concerning the timing of God. And so an important part of our prayer lives many times 
We love the request granted moments, but I'll say probably more times than not, a good portion of our prayer lives is as the song that we sing, we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Amen. We're persistent, we're consistent, but in doing that, we are also waiting upon the Lord. We're asking things according to his will. We're asking according to his purpose. But when we say according to his will, then we're asking according to his time. The Bible says in Psalms 27 and verse 14, it says, wait, the psalmist said, on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so there, valuable to our prayer lives is the ability then also coupled with that is the ability to wait upon what we have prayed about. Not to try to get ahead of God, right? You don't want to get ahead of God. Amen? He may give us the answer that this will happen, but we don't know what the will, the date of the will, right? Of the in the future time frame is. If we're not careful, we become the Abraham and Sarah that understands they're going to have descendants as the stars of the sky and as the sands along the shore. But the timing they're becoming frustrated with of no child in the womb because there's barrenness within Sarah. And if we're not careful, we'll want to push the hand of God, as it were, or we work things out according to our will. Okay, we know we're going to have children. Here's Hagar go into her. Ishmael is born. Hallelujah. We got the, the nation started. Amen. But we're, whenever we do that, become frustrated in those moments and do those things, uh, in reality, we are, we are acting in accordance against uh, the Lord's true will. And if you see even yet today the Ishmael and the Isaac controversy that's went to the Jews and the Palestinians that's still yet being dealt with today, it pays to wait. It pays to wait upon the Lord. That's an important aspect of prayer. So also concerning what does God do? He, request, he, he grants our requests. He grants our requests with a time frame sometime in the future, whenever it's going to happen. Amen. And sometimes he grants our requests, and it's not as we expected it to happen. In other words, God says yes. Absolutely to the request that we has given to him. But the answer that the way that he brings it about is different than what we anticipated. Again, a lot of times we think that we know a situation better sometimes than what God even knows. Even our own personal situations. Whether it be finances or whatever. We know, you know, someone says, well, no one knows you, you know, any better than you. Well, yeah, but God knows you even better than you know yourself. And so uh, with that being said, there's some times that God works in situations that we are so intimate with that are our own that we think we know how this needs to come about, that God brings it about totally differently than what we had in mind. And so he grants it, but he does it differently. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, for my thoughts, he says, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so some people get very frustrated with God in prayer when he doesn't do things the way that they thought he was going to do them. I thank the Lord that he just answered it whatever way it came about. But I understand we get things in our own mind, how our prayers should be answered. Amen. Again, we follow then the tracking even of the Lord's prayer. Not my will, you know, let, let, let what be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let the will of heaven come down and be a part, amen, of earth. Let it take place. And then there's other times that God, we really don't like these. Maybe after the fact, we understand how everything plays out. But sometimes God answers prayer by, by denying our request. By denying our request. Sometimes, here we go. Sometimes God says no. And the no is the answer to your prayer. Perhaps one of the hardest, perhaps one of the hardest answers to receive from God in our prayer is the no. Amen. But God, the job pays more and it does this and that. No. But God, that house would be give us so many more rooms for our kids and so on and so forth. No. 
Now here is the, the test of a true prayer warrior and Christian. What will you do with God's no? Will you submit to his no? Or will you just go on and plunge forward with whatever it was that you wanted as though maybe God made a mistake in what he said? It's quiet all across the web right now. Because I'm telling you as a pastor this morning, there's been too many times I've seen saints of God move beyond God's no. I'm telling you the truth. They have invested in houses whenever it was at a certain spot that they was going to quit. They went on and did it. That was God's no, but they did it anyway. They moved to places for jobs. When God had a no, especially when there was no church in the area to support their family. So we need not to move beyond God's no. Is it comfortable? No. Is it difficult at times? Absolutely. But the, the payoff, the benefits to halting when God tells us to halt are very, very, very important in our lives. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 9, the Apostle Paul had something in his life that he was quite familiar with, very personal, amen, that he went to God three times over, the Bible says. For this thing, he had a thorn in his flesh. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, God did, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul has a thorn in his flesh. We don't really know what the full dynamics or characterization of that thorn was, whether it was physical, his eyes. There's all kinds of speculations about what it could be. Nonetheless, it was something that was personal for Paul that he went three times to God over. And God says, in essence, no. But in his no, he says this, my grace is sufficient. You know what's so powerful by, about the word sufficient? He's saying, my grace is enough. He says, he says, you don't have to have the thorn removed, whatever that may be. He says, you don't have to have that because my grace is enough for you. Whoo. Man, that's awesome. Because there's a lot of things that we believe we need, quotes, all right, that we need in life. There's a lot of things that we need that we prefer. But in reality, the Lord's letting us know, listen, if that never materializes, my grace is enough. We got to find ourselves in relationships with God where we come to a place that we bask in the sufficiency of who he is. That we just bask in knowing that he is enough. That may not go away. And that, 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 that aspect of life that is a thorn in my flesh or cumbersome to me may never leave. But God is enough. And his grace is enough. And his love is enough. And his spirit is enough. Hallelujah. Amen. And so there's time that God denies our requests. But in the denial is our answer. It is the answer to our prayer. Some people might say, well, God didn't answer my prayer. Maybe him not saying anything is your no. Maybe him not saying anything maybe is to draw you into just more fervency and consistency. I don't think we can just always interpret the silence of God any direction, but we can continuously seek the Lord until he brings about what needs to be brought about for our lives, whether it harmonizes with our ideas or not. Amen. And so we got to come to terms that God will not always answer things in the ways that we would want. And so when we talk about then ourselves, how we approach God in prayer and then how God responds to us, we must also talk just a little bit about today about hindrances to prayer. I said last week, this is going to be one of the major things in your life as a Christian that the enemy is going to try to distract you, detract you from, and it's going to be prayer. And so one of our greatest hindrances in our prayer lives is our enemy. It is Oslufut. The, the adversary that we contend with. He is one of our greatest hindrances to prayer. He is a deceiver. And many times what the enemy does is he will deceive us 
with concentrating on our problems. Concentrating on our problems, magnifying our problems rather than magnifying our God. It's always said problems do one of two things to people. Bar across, across the spectrum, one of two things. It will make them either draw close to God or push away from God. That has been my experience for all my years upon the earth. Problems do that. And so if the enemy knows the, the proclivity of an individual that when problems come, they concentrate on the problem more than they concentrate on God, then he'll bring problems just for the purpose of trying to deceive us to focus our attention and, and distract us from where it needs to be. Because people are going to respond. Some people, problems are going to come, they're going to hit their knees even more. There's others, the problem's going to come, and they're going to try to figure out the situation all by themselves. And so we need to be conscious of a hindrance to prayer is the enemy. Not only that, the enemy knows. He knows the mechanics. He knows the mechanics of our lives. He can observe our lives just as any other individual could observe our lives. He will sometimes hinder our prayer lives with busyness. Busyness. Busyness of life. Huh? So, so many irons in the fire that the, the, the verbiage is this. I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time for prayer. And I know life can become very busy and we can be pulled many directions. But even in our regular human lives, we find time to do important things that helps us just live. Even if it's just for a quick second of grabbing a bite to eat, all right, or otherwise, that's in the natural. Prayer life in the spiritual is just as important as the sustaining of your health and physical ability in the natural. And so saying that we don't have time for prayer really comes to a time management thing of what is priority in life, okay? What is priority in life? And so he'll get a person just so busy, then they just don't pray. The, the apostles understood the importance of taking and making time for prayer. In Acts 6, verses 2 through 4, many perhaps are familiar with the setting of Scripture. Uh, they've been ministering to the, the Grecians, and of course that took time. The Bible says, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In other words, they were saying we got to somehow shift things around in some manner or way in order to make sure that prayer still has the priority that prayer needs to be in our life. That, that if serving tables over here means no prayer over here, we'll have to abandon serving tables in order to pray. Amen. And so we must not be ignorant of, of the enemy's devices. We must take time, as I said last week and this week, every day, try to take time to pray. Amen. If you got 5, 10, 15, if you got an hour, whatever you got to be able to contribute to a time of prayer, amen, pray. Another hindrance to prayer is unbelief. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. To receive anything from the Lord, we must have faith. We must have belief. James 1, verses 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man thinketh that he shall receive anything of the Lord. In other words, a man that is at the mercy like a wave is at the mercy of the wind and the sea tossed to and fro. If he is wavering, let not that man think that he'd necessarily receive anything of the Lord because you must ask in faith. Amen. 
with, with a, 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 a resolute, amen, decision and understanding. Amen. As a matter of fact, faith is one of the conditions by which Jesus required, amen, to, to uh, give us anything through prayer. Belief, faith is a condition. Matthew 21 and verse 22, the Bible says, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, Believing ye shall receive. Amen. Matthew 13, 58, Jesus went to his hometown. The Bible tells us that he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Right? Didn't do much. Wasn't much miracles, healings. Uh, wasn't much, if you will, even answers to prayer, if you want to see along those lines, because of their unbelief. And so if we lack if we lack faith, if there is unbelief in our lives, then we need to be like the one father said of the child in Mark 9 and verse 24. And straight, straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He said, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make some headway here, but there's still, some, there's still some, some things in the back of my mind, some negotiations, some doubts, if you will, and I need some help with that. Another thing that will hinder prayer is unconfessed sin. You were just talked about this past Wednesday night concerning sin. Unconfessed sin will hinder a prayer life. Amen. The saying used to be, praying will keep you from sinning, or sinning will keep you from praying. Amen. 1 John 3, verse 21 and 22 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Look at that. If we don't have a condemning heart, we have confidence toward God. If we have a condemning heart, because remember, it's not the things that a person put into their body that defiles the body. It's the things that come from the heart. Idolatries, adulteries, all these things the Bible speaks of, uh, all of the defilement comes from the heart. And when they are there, if our heart condemn us because we have been brewing and, and interacting with some of these quote-unquote sins, then we won't have confidence toward God. But if our heart is not condemning us, if we are trying to steer clear and free from this, these things, we have confidence, we have faith, we have trust, we have toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. See, it's difficult for a person to approach their father when they know they've done something wrong. All right? And it's not because he's some tyrant. It's because they have self-conviction about what they've done. It's hard to, in your normal life, how easy is it for you to warm up to somebody whenever there is something between you two that is not right? Huh? It's not like you're willing to ask them to go out to eat on Wednesday and pay for the tab, right? And so whenever there is sin within our life, our confidence to God, our relationship to God, but Alex used the verse in Isaiah, there is a breach. There's a breach between us and God because of sin, because ultimately sin is rebellion against God, against his authority. It's rebellion against his word. Scripture reveals, just let me share a few verses of Scripture here today. The psalmist said, if I regard, if, I, if I'm guarding, if I'm keeping, if I'm coddling, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We don't talk about these scriptures very much, but they need to be talked about. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The one that Brother Alex Mason used on Wednesday. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his, your sins have hid his face from you. That he will not hear. The Lord, here's another one. The Lord is, we don't want to talk about these. The Lord is far from the wicked. But he heareth the prayer of the righteous. He, another one. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law. Even his prayer shall be an abomination. Another one. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Oh, Brother McGee. My God. You know. <laughs> if I regard iniquity, Lord, there's no hope even for sinners. There's a vast dif difference. In regarding iniquity in your heart and not wanting anything done about your iniquity and being a sinner that wants to repent 
and make a change, right? The Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, very popular chapter or verse, rather, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and look and turn from their wicked way. So I'm approaching him as wicked with a hopes of turning in a different direction. I'm coming with sin in my heart, not any longer wanting sin to lord its power over me. That's a whole different approach than somebody that's a sinner that's wanting to throw up a prayer at a convenient moment. We, folks, listen today. We need to be in relationship with the one to whom we are praying to. All right? We need to walk in a status and a stature with the one whom we are praying to. It's not that we ask God to intervene and us continue to hold on to our wickedness, our sin. <laughs> if God answers that prayer of someone that is wicked, it, it, let's say it is a church person. That's living a life of sin under a cloak and a covering that everybody is ignorant of. If God answers your prayer, that is not God endorsing the way that you're currently living your life. That is God extending a hand of mercy and grace to you. And he's made an exception to the rule at the moment because he's God and sovereign and he can. I would dare to declare that's God trying to draw you back to where you need to be. That's his, oh God. That's his mercy. Uh, it troubles me from, from the, the perspective of the pulpit sometimes. When I see God answer prayers of people that's living their lives in a contrast to the word of God. In contrast to the spirit of what the way that God would like for them to live. And they're just like, oh, but God answered. God pulled through for us. And I'm thinking, yes, he did. But you need not to, to miscue the way that God answered or how God answered at that moment. Although you've been living like you've been living. God is reaching for you. God is being merciful toward you. And I do not want to misjudge, amen, the way that God answers my prayer when I'm no way living like God would have me to live. Amen. Because too much of that, you, you'll be a Pharaoh that will, you'll be a Pharaoh whose heart will just become hardened. Mm -hmm. You'll be a Pharaoh whose heart will just be hardened of all these times. Let God's people go, okay, I will. No, I won't. And his heart just becomes more. You'll come to a place that you won't be able to distinguish good from evil. Whew. Huh? Righteous from unrighteous. Holy from unholy. Clean from unclean. You'll be impervious, amen, to the, the, the spirit upon your life because of ignoring the moments. Amen. So unconfessed sin can be a hindrance to prayer. I know we all times say, and even we have it described, even a lot of people describe it through the Lord's Prayer. But let me tell you something. A very, very important thing to lead with in prayer. Yes, your praise and your thanksgiving, your repentance. Our repentance is important in prayer. That is vitally important. Repentance is vitally important, especially whenever you're going to go praying to God for other people. And you've not yet went to God for yourself. But we, I know we've had all the little things, joy, Jesus first, others second, yourself last, and all that. I understand. But we need repentance in there real close to the front. Because it's difficult for you to pray for somebody or somebody else's behalf when it's me, oh, Lord, that stands in need of prayer. I'm not talking about, you know, food on the table. No, no, no. I'm talking about spiritually. Paul McGee needs to go to a place of repentance. Amen. And clean the slate and get things right with the Lord. Another thing that can be hindrance to prayer. I'm running. Boy, we got to go. What am I doing here? Oh, Jesus, help us. Amen. Unforgiveness. Our treatment of others. Unforgiveness. Our treatment of others can be hindrances to prayer. Our treatment of others. If you'll remember the story, Matthew, the Bible talks about this man having some servants. They owed him so much money. Amen. He came to the one and he told him, you need to, you need to pay up. Uh, and he's like, oh, please be merciful with me, blah, blah, blah. And he forgave him of his debt and sent him on his way. That man had people under him that had money that was owed to him as well. Amen. He came to the one. He says, oh, please have mercy upon me. The Bible says he took him by the throat. 
cast him into prison. Others that heard how he had treated his servants then told his master about it. And he took that man and put him into prison because of how he was treating other people. God will deal with us many times in the manner and the way that we have dealt with others. Amen. And so we got to be we got to be careful about harboring unforgiving spirits. Right? Because that will hinder our prayer. The Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 12, and also verses 14 through 15 of Matthew 6, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And look, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Again, repentance is important. Right? Because if I'm going to arbor an unforgiving spirit in my life towards somebody else, I've damned up forgiveness coming into my own life from God. Whew. Amen. And so we, we, we need to treat people, try to treat people according, amen, to the word of the Lord. And our prayers will not be hindered. Let's take it from the scope of just real life, from the scope of the church, and let's get to the scope of our marriages. Not having a forgiving spirit. Huh? Their incorrect, maligned marital relationships can obstruct our prayer. Amen. First Peter 3 and verse number 7. You put it on the screen for me here. First Peter 3 and verse number 7. You don't even have to be this one. It'd be that one back there. Likewise. Amen. Ye husbands, do well with them, speaking their wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, going on, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Why? Because that your prayers be not hindered. Amen. And so even within this this marriage relationship, which was the model that Christ used to demonstrate of his relationship with his church. Whenever things are maligned right there, out of kelter, so to speak, it can obstruct your prayer. It can hinder your prayer. Jesus also taught us. He said, whenever you come, he said, whenever you come to the altar, let me just read it. Matthew 5, verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there rememberest, that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before thy altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother. And then come and offer thy gift. So as you bring your gift to your, off, your altar, your offering, your sacrifice, that animal, whatever it was. Whenever you go to do your business at the altar. And there's something going on in your life. Your brother has ought against you. He says you might as well leave the gift and take care of the business. Amen. And then come back and offer your gift. Why? Because that other thing going on in life can hinder what you're trying to offer right now. All right? Amen. And so those are hindrances to prayer. Let me go on. Uh, I'm running. I really am. And this is just a bird's eye, folks. This is just hitting the tops of the trees. Amen. There are different elements of prayer. Let's see if we can run through some of these quickly here this morning. We've already spoke a little bit about thanksgiving, but thanksgiving and praise are both aspects, amen, and elements of prayer. Amen. Uh, and, and the thing is, uh, we do these things, uh, praying for that matter, element. we pray not, we do both. We don't pray necessarily because something has happened, but we pray in spite that something is happening. That should really be the key to it. When Paul and Silas is at midnight in Acts 16, and they prayed and sang praises unto God, and they were in shackles hand and foot, I've oftentimes said they are not necessarily doing that because they're in prison. They're doing that because that's the way they live their lives. And whether they was in prison or not, they're going to pray and give praises unto God. Amen. And so it becomes a part, it becomes a personality, it becomes a way of life. But there's other times that, yes, things come and it seems like we're driven to prayer. Our president, Abraham Lincoln, said at one time, he says, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Amen. 
And so we need to have thanksgiving and praise. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 and 18, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing in, everybody say in, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, I've seen this thing blown totally out of kelter in my life. They say in everything, give thanks. The car broke. God, I thank you for breaking my car. God, I thank you for cancer. God, I thank you that my leg got amputated. God, I thank you, Lord, for, I thank you, Lord, that I don't have money to pay my bills missed it it's not thanking God for those things it's in everything it's when your leg is amputated you're still just praising the master not because necessarily your leg's amputated but just because he is who he is he's God and so when there's bread on the table you thank him when there's not on the table you thank him when you're sick you thank him when you're not sick you thank him in everything whatever it is you're going through you thank him because the thanksgiving isn't about where you are or what's going on it's about who he is I'm praying to God I'm not praying because of circumstances or well or bad I'm praying to God amen so element of prayer again repentance is there it needs to be a part uh, David in his uh, sin with Bathsheba Psalms 51 one of the greatest prayers and stories of repentance created me a clean heart O God renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence right right this prayer of repentance, it needs to be a daily part of our lives. First John 2 and verse 1, you guys can put that one up. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, so it can happen. <laughs> if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, an advocate, same paraclete in the Greek, same word used for comforter in John 14 and John 16. What that means is we have an advocate. We have one who pleads our cause before another. Whew. Amen. The Spirit speaks of the Lord, making intercessions for us. We have the consolation in Scripture that if we confess our faults, our sins, that he is just and faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another element of prayer is supplication. Supplication is the actual request and petition portion of your prayer. All right? When you make a request of God, those are considered in Scripture supplication. Amen. So you're making your request. You're making your petition. You're, you're sewing them all up in the idea, even as Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. Here's a verse of Scripture that includes many of the elements of prayer. Of 1 Timothy 2 and 1, the Bible says, Paul says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, there's an aspect, prayers, intercessions, that's another aspect, giving of thanks be made for all men. Amen. And so supplication, that petitioning, that requesting of God is an aspect of prayer. Let me just hit a few verses here very quickly. Ye have not because ye ask not. Ask. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. He says ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. He says up to this point in time you're not even requesting anything. He says request something. Amen. There's another element of prayer, which is intercession. That wrestling in prayer, that groanings that cannot be uttered, spoken of in Scripture, that agonizing in prayer. An intercessor is one that comes between, one that interposes on behalf of somebody else, beseeching God on behalf of another person. Moses prayed for the nation of Israel, interceded. Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. Paul interceded for Galatian. Amen. The Galatia people interceding in prayer. I have found. That personal intercession most likely comes along with praying in the Spirit. There have been times in prayer, man, something just came in and overwhelmed me. And a person was in mind at that moment. And it's just like God took over and I allowed him. And I prayed and cried and wept and screamed and and. Just called that person. I don't know any idea what was going on with them. But I mentioned their name and I prayed in the spirit. Amen. Until I felt that lift. Until I felt that leave. So please do not uh, ignore those moments. If he's wanting to take you there, it's taking you there for a purpose and a reason for somebody's behalf. I'll end with this. How do we pray? The disciples asked Jesus that very thing. Teach us to pray. 
I asked him at different places in the Gospels, teach us to pray from which we get the Lord's Prayer. What is typically known as the Lord's Prayer. They asked him, teach us to pray. And this is what amazes me more than anything as we look at the Gospels. Teach us to pray, Lord. And rather than sitting down and giving a Bible lesson, he started praying. (laughs) Hallelujah. Teach us to pray, Lord. But just let me get here in my prayer position and let me start praying. If you don't know how to pray, go go to the prayer room and just sit there for a while and listen to some people praying. Hallelujah. Amen. Your children don't know how to pray. Let them hear mom and dad pray. A little girl here sitting here this morning, now 14, sitting on the front pew. Man, we evangelized. She was born, of course, while we was going on the road. And they have, of course, back then they didn't have as many things they do now, how you can carry children under your arm, over your head, and everywhere, you know. But we had something that you could, you know, saddle them in, that they were attached to your body. I'd get that little thing. I'd put it on the front of me most times. I'd put her down in there. Dawn had other things that she needed to go on. Me and Mariah was on our way to church. She wasn't even a year old. Amen. And she was in there on any day that we had church. I'd go to the church if it was available to pray. I'd throw her down in that thing. We'd go to church. I'm there praying. She's doing whatever she's doing, slapping my face, blowing raspberries on my cheeks, you know. I'm just praying. Amen. I don't know what type of impact that may have had even in formative years when she couldn't put a sentence together. Amen. But the best way to teach prayer is just to let somebody experience some praying. Hallelujah. Amen. And if it's going to be a you'll have praying people if you have a praying church. Because they'll learn how to pray by hearing the people pray. Amen. And so he said, pray. And he told him after this manner, and you could say it, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Amen. In earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Again, a lot of people have used that as a repetitious prayer. All right? A mindless repetition. Saying, Our Father which art in heaven. Jesus never meant it for that. Jesus, if you were going to do it, he wanted it to be a meaningful rehearsal. All right, not just some repetitious. But there are things that we can learn from each aspect of that. All right, uh, we, we got things here at the church. If you're interested in them, call, write to us, whatever. I did an eight-part series on the Lord's Prayer, amen, going over the different aspects. But I'm going to end here this morning uh, and, and try to be mindful of you good people so that you'll come to church tonight. Amen. Again, the greatest thing about prayer, you can read all the books on prayer because there's a lot out there. Oh, tons of books. But the best thing that you could do about prayer is just doing it. Just, just, just doing it. Amen. And sometimes you say, but I don't know much about it. If you need, they got prayer clocks out there. They got, they got prayer lists, prayer charts. You know, here in the first month of January when we have our prayer revival, I have things out there that kind of help guide you and focus your prayer. If you need to use stuff like that in order to implement a prayer life, do it. Let me tell you something, at least I know uh, personally with experience. If you had the names of every individual in this church and you begin to pray for them and praying for them is just not saying their name, but saying their name. And if you have any idea about what's going on in their life or you feel something for their life, you pray. If you do that with every individual in this church, I'll guarantee you this. You'll have an hour of time gone in no time. Amen. And so if you need a prayer chart or something like that to help you along the way, folks, grab you one, buy one, do it. Because although that may help you implement your prayer, you're going to find that that thing's just going to fall by the wayside somewhere along the way. And you're just going to be engaged into a time of prayer with God. That might have helped formulate some structure for you that now that will just become ingrained in your brain and your heart and mind that you won't have to have that paper or that chart anymore. You'll just begin talking to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray this morning. How fitting to end a lesson on prayer in prayer. Amen. But I'm going to pray today. We need prayer today, folks. We need. Underscore that word need. We need prayer today. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Times that we're living in that just be very strenuous right now. Folks, we need prayer. And there's, you know, listen, I know it's saying, well, you know, it's not always going to be this way. Maybe not. And I'm not trying to be the gloom doom person, but maybe so. 
So if you're holding your breath just waiting for everything to settle down and fall away so you can just get back to life, well, you might need to put your spurs into the animal of prayer and ride that thing for a while. Amen. Father, I come to you this morning. I'm thankful, God, for your power, your spirit, your word. I'm thankful, God, for prayer. God, the means, the vehicle, Lord, of communication, Lord, of us with heaven. God, I pray, oh, Lord, today that we would, Lord Jesus, garner in our own homes and families, in our own lives, Lord, prayer, both publicly and privately. God, that we would petition you with our supplications, with our thanksgiving, with our repentance. God, I pray, Lord, with all of these different measures, and Lord, that we would wait, God, for an answer. God, even if the answer is no or right now. I pray, oh God, today that you're able to help us, Lord, to be consistent and persistent in our time, Lord, of prayer. God, we pray because we are a needy people, and we got to lean on a power that's greater than ourselves greater than our world, greater, Lord Jesus, than the mechanics of our life. We need you, Lord. And if I've ever needed the Lord before, I sure do need him now, as the old song says. God, let us, Lord, be a house of prayer, a church of prayer, a family of prayer. Let our petitions be made known unto God. Help us, O Lord, today, God, to turn from the ways that would separate us from you. Turn from the actions, Lord Jesus, or the inactions, God, that would cause there to be a schism, Lord, the dividing line between us and you. God, we approach you with repentance. We approach you, Lord, with thanksgiving. God, we magnify your name. God, bless your people and help them, Lord, to fall in love. God, with praying to you and communicating with you. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you this afternoon. We'll see you back here tonight. Amen at 7 o'clock. The doors will be open 20 minutes prior to that, 640. The doors will open, amen, or not at 7, at 6 o'clock. Doors will be open at 540. Church is at 6. Sorry, I'm at Wednesday night, amen. If you come at 7, you'll be maybe in time for preaching. I don't know. But anyway, God bless you here this evening. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.